Hey guys, real quick. Did you know that Martin Campbell directed not only GoldenEye, but Casino Royale? Two very different James Bond films that actually ended up introducing two completely different actors to the role for the very first time. And speaking of even more cool things, did you guys know that we have a Patreon? That's right. You can find it at the bottom of the episode descriptions with all of the other links, such as all of our social medias and our website. We would love you forever if you guys wanted to support us on that Patreon where we update our notes regularly and we'll begin to showcase a lot of special content that can only be found on the Patreon. Otherwise, I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. not anyway i guess we're just gonna start this welcome to the first official episode of season four what i'm lovingly dubbing the fall of the 90s this is the last film we'll be covering in 1998 and then i'm pretty sure we have i think like 12 to 14 movies in 99 alone um but thank you guys so much for joining us i know it's been a while since i put out an episode um there will be an episode previous to this one but that will be the closeout episode of season three this is the first official episode of season four you will most likely notice more than anything my dulcet tones do not resemble those of Lindsay's. that is because Lindsay is not here today for the episode we have decided to partake in instead i have swapped Lindsay out for two of the most knowledgeable people i know when it comes to saving Ryan's privates, uh, which is also the movie we're doing today. I have with me today, my very dear and oldest friend, Matt, Matt, thank you back again off of ironically, not a Batman or superhero episode of any kind. Hi there. Hello. And as always, my uh, partner in crime from the Top Gun episode, Andrew. Hello. I crawled out of my hole again. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. Sunlight, man. It's nice and cold out. Yeah, I know. It's it's fucking cool. But yes, you guys will notice that we are here for Saving Private Ryan, 1998's uh, smash hit historical drama. I don't know if I should call it. Is it a historical drama? Do you call it a historical drama? Um, I would not. Well, I mean, it's a historical piece, but it's not a true story, so... I guess yeah, that's true. It. It's just like a war movie, I guess. That's, yeah. yeah. Just like a wartime, like, holy shit, I should make this movie. But yeah, we're going to jump right into it because there is an astronomical amount of stuff to cover. Um, obviously, we're going to geek out on all the real world shit, but we're also going to break down the movie itself. And to do so, I will get us started. Directed by Steven Spielberg, the film was written solely by Robert Rodat. And it was I. So rewatching this the other day, I completely forgot that half of these people were in this. Dude, I I yelled out loud. Holy shit. That's Nathan Fillion. Yeah, it's a stacked movie. I, I I also always forget and have that exact conversation with myself. Like, dude, this is a fucking stacked movie. Walter White is in it, and he only has one arm? Fucking and he only man. shows up in the beginning? What the fuck? Yeah, just before we started filming, I uh, or I should say recording, I literally always forget Vin Diesel's in this, and this is his like breakout role. Yeah. And he just gets shot. <laughs> like, that's his big thing. There's blood on it. Uh, it's, to my dad. it's to my dad <laughs> oh Shut god it's so up. painful every time it's, like, god. <laughs> it's about family 
Copy, put your head down. Put your head down. Dude, even in that movie, he was about family. He was all about family. That's where it started. Son of a bitch. Oh, you know what? And he had a, he had a rosary on, so he had his cross necklace on, too. Oh, shit. Dude, that's some old day crew. I fucking forgot about that. Holy crap. Vin Diesel can't get away from this. Actually, you know what's funny? We were just talking about this a minute ago. This got him the role on Iron Giant and Pitch Black, which thankfully Pitch Black is not a family movie. <laughs> it's the complete opposite because he leaves half that crew behind to die. Iron Giant shouldn't be a family movie. Well, it teaches you about loss as a child. and Very much so. It starts your lifelong adventure with depression. <laughs> but he does start rebuilding him in the end. True. I mean, that and Bridge Terabithia teaches you never. Oh, fuck off, dude. I'm not looking forward to covering that movie. Logan is starting to read Bridge to Terabithia in his no fourth grade way. class. I'm like, oh, man, bud, you are on a journey right now. That sucks, dude. Anyway, start as we said, there's tons of people in this, but starring Tom Hanks as Captain John Miller, Matt Damon as Private James Francis mm-hmm. Ryan. Edward Matt Damon, Edward Burns as Richard Ryben, Tom Sizemore as Mike Horvath, and Jeremy Davies as Timothy Fuckum or Timothy Upham. You guys are gonna Timothy find Upham. I have no love. I have no love for Upham. I don't give a fuck what anybody says about this. But he is such a. I oh my god. Anyway, music scored by the man, the myth, the legend, John Williams. Uh, because why the fuck wouldn't you? He was on loan from George Lucas to Steven Spielberg this time around. Can you, or Andrew, can you do me a favor? You have the notes in front of you, right? Can you read the plot for me? After his third brother is killed during the Allied invasion of Normandy, Private James Ryan is given top priority status from the War Department to be brought home immediately. With a task falling to the hero of the hour, Captain John Miller and his ragtag band of brothers, which I feel like is kind of a interesting phrase given the show but i mean hey that's it, why i chose it, it. Yeah. works yeah you know i never finished that show i never finished that and i never finished midway wait you've never finished band of brothers no What's i don't remember about? why either and yeah, i know that was like horrible. michael fassbender's first like horrible role. american i know um i actually have some fun facts for this part yes please do so the sole survivor uh policy is an actual current military doctrine it is actually, let me find it in my notes. It is. I think it was enacted af- by the Department of Defense after a real incident, wasn't it? It was based on five brothers. Yeah, so that I'm not entirely sure. But the sole surviving son policy was a real thing and exists to this day per Army Doctrine AR 614 200. Um, so it says basically if you have multiple family members, so siblings, um, that are either 100% disabled, injured, killed, maimed, anything like that overseas, then the sole survivor is required to return home to their family. That's awesome. I like that it's still active today, too. I actually yep. didn't know that. Yep. I saw that it was last updated in AR-614 uh, was actually last updated last year in 2023. That's Damn, crazy. Okay. Anywho down in Whoville, um, where can you stream this? fucking nowhere prime. you can rent it on a- amazon prime and that's about it oh, okay let's go to the timeline
So the year is 1998. 1998, John Glenn returns to space. This one is more for me than anybody, but that's because I watched this shit happen live. 1998, Mark McGuire breaks the single season home run record. Later revealed in 2010 that he was on massive amounts of performing enhancing drugs. To be fair, I think they all were. They all were. That's what he's talking So, like, I read the thing, and it's it was like it was something like astronomically high, like 63, 64% of players during the late 90s, early 2000s were just, they were all juicing. Did you see that they're trying to get a Olympics started where everyone is juiced out? That's amazing. Like, and that's I saw, exactly what I they saw want. a news report like yesterday about like, yeah, let's do that. And while we're at it, let's make the NFL blitz a real thing. Absolutely. They've been, they've been talking about that for forever though. So I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but it, I'm, I'm telling you it should just like, like, listen, if you want to destroy your body, do whatever the hell you want, take whatever you want. If you want to be the peak human, yeah just i think anything below like you know implants like biological like having a steel rod in your arm (laughs) or like endoskeletons like or no an endoskeleton would be outside well no would be inside yeah inside exo like you're getting endoskeletal like you know enhancements refabrication on your bones like i think anything (laughs) short of that like have at it do you think that the x-men have liability taken out if they wanted to join the olympics i was gonna say liability insurance and i'm like (laughs) i think there's no way any superhero could be insured that's exactly what i was just saying like can you imagine like the insurance agent just sitting down like guys we've (laughs) talked about this you've got to chill out with the laser eyes holy (laughs) shit just melt fucking buildings for fun (laughs) (laughs) we got one man made over here the the eyes fell off the glasses fell off it was a problem okay it was a thing six children listen oh that's how civil war starts like you can go to the dollar store and get little bands that go on your sunglasses (laughs) so they don't fall off like the dollar store how good could it be (laughs) um and then lastly for historical context because i i wouldn't be doing my job if i didn't mention this uh the bill clinton Monica Lewinsky scandal occurs. I did not have sexual relations Relations with that woman. (laughs) Miss Lewinsky. Miss Lewinsky. God, I love that. Killing him softly was seriously one of the best stand-up routines of all time. Rotten Tomatoes. This feels right. This feels great. Considering the movies we've come off of recently where Rotten Tomatoes was either completely up in the air, not aligned, or their scores were just hella low. Looking at you, Batman and Robin. Um, Rotten Tomatoes has a 94% on the tomato meter and a 95% audience score. Yeah, it was this absolutely earned this score. And this is like, I will never say this is not a movie I would watch if someone turned it on. Yeah, it's legendary. Yeah. Speaking of military movies i actually have a a question for you too what are your and i came prepared so you guys have some time to think God what are your top five favorite war movies favorite war movies holy mm-hmm. shit all right so uh, I'll, I'll go so you have some time to think but yeah uh in no particular order i have the patriot uh black hawk down lone survivor it's not technically a war movie but i'm gonna keep it in there uh, 13 hours and we were soldiers. Oh, my grandpa's in we were soldiers. So that's number one. 
for me. <laughs> uh, we Were Soldiers is number one for me because, you know, you can't shout out. Yeah, you can't do that. No, my fucking dude, my grandpa's literally in it. Fucking yeah. Greg Kinnear plays my grandpa. Uh, so We Were Soldiers, uh, Saving Private Ryan, The Patriots on there for me too. I fucking love that movie. Yeah, I'm that's so sad. Mel Gibson went crazy. Uh, I know. Yeah, uh, I can't think of any others off the top of my head, but I think um, Black Hawk Down is good. I don't know. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. Oh, Fury is definitely up there. Oh yeah. Fury is okay. okay, so that actually helped me finish my list. Thank you. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna start. You know what? I'm gonna start a huge controversy. Rogue One. I see you. Fight me. I see you. It's the Saving Private Ryan of Star Wars. Scott, what's your top five? Uh, I also did include uh, Saving Private Ryan because we're doing the podcast. Well, I figured it was just part of it. That's why you guys were only listing four, but. In no particular order, Patriot, Fury. I'm actually not going to include Black Hawk Down. I am going to include Inglorious Bastards. Oh, yep. Dude, I'm an idiot. I can't believe I didn't say that. I can't believe you didn't either. I was waiting for that one when you said Fury. I'm going to get a ton of shit for this, probably. But We Were Soldiers is actually pretty good. Um, Super good. For a minute, it was a tie between that and... uh, uh, Tears of the Sun, but Tears of the Sun isn't really a war movie. It's an extraction movie during hostile times. I like We Were Soldiers because I can relate to some of the stuff that happens. Like the first sergeant who's walking, like more first sergeant, he goes, "We've got a fucking good morning." Oh yeah, <laughs> I I had a first sergeant like that where he would say some shit to like like that to you, mm-hmm. and like I would say like, "Hey, good morning, top," and he go, "Go fuck yourself," and just keep walking. Like amazing, I absolutely will go fuck myself. I guess. Thank you, sir. <laughs> um, Saving Private Ryan and Platoon. Okay. Oh, I was going to put freaking um, Full Apocalypse. Metal Jacket. Oh, that's a good one, too. I didn't even think of that until right I now. I was doing Apocalypse Now where the other two I, was, I completely forgot about. I wouldn't call it's Forrest like- Gump a military movie, but it does no. have that like interjection. Full Metal Jacket is weird because I really like the first like part Half. of it with boot yeah. camp and then like after that it kind of just falls off for me it's like two different movies yeah, yeah. it really is which is kind of how everybody talks about it every time mm-hmm. that movie comes up they're like i've only seen the first half and then i forgot where kingpin goes crazy <laughs> yep <laughs> god damn it that man no i haven't watched it yet shut up god just awful mm, i know Anyway, back to the timeline. <laughs> uh, Oscar winners and nods. Saving Private Ryan was nominated for a total of 11 Academy Awards, winning five, including Best Director, Best Sound and Sound Effects Editing, Best Cinematography, and Best Makeup. Now, here's the part that's like kind of insane to me. Against a budget of only $67 million, this movie only cost $67 million to make. That's wild. Yeah. It's it basically says like between 65 and 70. So I just like cut the center. But Saving Private Ryan made a whopping four hundred and eighty two point three million dollars overall. Still wasn't enough to dethrone Titanic, obviously, but it was the second highest grossing film of the year. And obviously there's no sequels because, well, we're building up to that right now. But um, Saving Private Ryan 2. Saving Private Ryan 2. <laughs> Getting his brother's bodies. Going they to the grocery store. Now. They would they would do that now, man. They would. I know. They'd be like, what did Ryan do afterwards? Or some stupid shit. 
Was he a good man? We find out today. Yeah. <laughs> we need a sequel. There's nothing about the war in this movie. Um, let's get into the movie because the first thing we need to discuss is obviously the most exciting shit. And that's the first 20 minutes of this movie. The move, the part that everybody remembers about this, not Ryben telling the story about the woman with huge tits or yeah. Matt Damon coming up with a completely ad lib story about watching his brother have sex with an ugly girl. So dumb. It was so weird. Uh, no, it is the first 20 mo- minutes of this movie, and we are going to give you guys the historical breakdown first, because that's what we do here, and that's what I love to do, and I'm here with two people who love to do that shit, too. So, the film play- takes place on the infamous D-Day, a.k.a. the Invasion of Normandy, or the Normandy Landings, which took place on June 6th, 1944, as part of Operation Overlord. The landing began the liberation of France and laid the foundation for the Allied victory in the Western Front. Although most people associate Normandy and D-Day with just Omaha Beach, there were over seven different landing points for Operation Overlord. And Operation Overlord was only made possible because of the prior operation, Operation Bodyguard, which rerouted and tricked the German infantry into thinking that we were landing somewhere completely different. The only thing I want to shout out is uh, Sword Beach, because everybody forgets the uh, Canadians and the British were heavily involved in this. Sword Beach had about 2,400 casualties and was pretty much solely Canadians and British. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I like to shout that out is because everybody forgets Canada had anything to do with the war. And <laughs> they, Sorry there. Yeah, and they uh, they fought hard with us, man. Our little, our hat, you know, they worked pretty hard with us. They were America's hat. Yeah. <laughs> I, what I'll say about Canada is that um, a lot of the things in the Geneva Convention are because of Canada. Because yes. uh, they're fucking savages in World War Two. Because the Geneva Con- Convention came out because of the shit Canada was doing in World War Two. Like, okay, guys, let's uh, dial it back because you guys are take us seriously. animals. Dude, <laughs> and their snipers I'm are sorry. so the world. And like, if yeah. you look at like the sniping distance records, it's all Canadians. Yeah, is it really? Yeah, no, well, that's not anything else to do. I, that's super fair. <laughs> Also, Andrew, what were we just talking about the other? Oh, uh, uh, Federal Reserves. Did you know that Canada has a federal syrup reserve? Oh, yeah. They have a maple syrup reserve. That's Uh, that's, that's fucking insane. And we have cheese. We have cheese, uh, yeah. I was going to say, we have secret caves full of cheese. The other thing thing I just wanted to mention is one of the really small historical uh, inaccuracies in this movie is the landing craft uh, in this movie. So it opens up on the landing craft and you have... Um, the operator of the landing craft who we debated whether that would be called a sailor or a pilot, or I don't know, but I'm just going to go with sailor. The it's person sailor, who is yeah. sailing the landing craft um, is you hear them briefly and they sound American. However, every landing craft on D day was operated by a British soldier. They were all British landing craft. I actually didn't know that until Andrew brought that up last night, which I think is fucking rad. And I think that does create a little bit of disparity between like the involvement of other, because the the movie makes it seem like this is America being like, yo, you guys like fuck with the wrong people. Like here we come. Well, yeah, that was the other thing we talked about last night is there. They don't even mention the Soviets once. Yeah. The Soviets are never mentioned in the movie at all. 
And by this point, uh, Hitler had already betrayed uh, Stalin and was trying to move through Russia, which is why Operation Bodyguard was such a success, is we were now starting to spread the German army stupidly thin. Yeah, because the Eastern Front was a fucking nightmare. like Fucking shit show. So in the movie, they made it seem because like they get there because the the they the operation um, Overlord. I forget it started at six thirty in the morning and in, yeah. based on the movie, it looks like it's over within the matter of like a couple of hours. Um, we actually that that the beaches weren't connected until June. So it was on June 6th. The beaches weren't connected until June 12th was all the fighting was. Yeah. And then they didn't actually complete their objective until June. I want to say the 21st. So almost like half a month of fighting just in the Omaha beach area. Mm-hmm. Whereas the movie made it seem like it just went by. It was a couple hours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I mean, the mm-hmm. reason I brought up Sword Beach at all is because one of the reasons they lost so many people was there was a counterattack by the 21st Panzer Division who came in and actually tried to retake the beach. Like, it wasn't this very, like, it, it may make it seem like it's just soldiers going against the defenses, like the pillboxes that were on the beach and the predetermined, you know, obviously, like, they have all the anti-tank Defense. Yeah, you have the bunkers and all that shit. But yeah. there's the but in reality, I mean, there were Germans there. They did, you know, try to counterattack. They did try to push back. I mean, but they had moved so much of their mechanized infantry and infantry to the fake out points that we had essentially made them believe that we were going to land at that by the time that we had built some kind of defenses on the beach, they were pretty much fucked. But yeah, I mean, it was a good point. It did take a long time to really secure all of the necessary landing areas. Mm. Yep. And it was people like the one Oh first who dropped in behind him, enemy lines who helped secure everything in the back end. But even then the paratroopers, only 25% of them survived the, the, the actual fall. Yeah. 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 One in four paratroopers survived three fourths of them died. And that's what Ryan was a part of. That's the whole reason they're like, Holy shit. Have you guys seen these numbers? Yeah. Uh, speaking of numbers of the 156,000 soldiers that made landfall during the operation, some 14,000 casualties were recorded with 4,414 confirmed deaths. This is over overlord entirely, not just Omaha beach. Omaha beach saw, uh, more than half of those deaths though. Omaha saw 2,400 soldiers lose their lives. And we just mentioned this, but I do want to like, it is important to remember this because the movie does such a, if I had to say this movie has a failing, it does such a poor job of showing allies, which is a reason why I think the Patriot is such a good movie is because it does spend time reminding everybody that, Hey, these farmers and regular people didn't just beat the British military. They were helped heavily by the French Navy. Like they weren't on their own. Yeah. We would have been screwed without the French as much as we absolutely would have as much as everybody yeah. gives shit to like, you know, you, the good old boys are like, Oh, Frenchies, those pussies. They surrendered first. We wouldn't exist without the French. And you know what? I was in Spain. I am very happy that we got to go over to Europe and help those boys out as much as they're annoying. Now they, you know, we kind of owe them a blood debt as a country. Kind of do. I think we're kind of even at this point though. I mean, yeah, they wouldn't exist without us anymore either. (laughs) I think we've balanced those scales. 
so the other thing that I wanted to talk about is, and I'm kind of going out of turn with my notes here, is the realism. Um, because the attention to detail, just from a sound mixing side of things, like the there's a reason that this movie won both sound editing and sound mixing Oscars. Um, it's incredible. And in fact, when this movie was distributed to, to cinemas, they were given specific instructions to amp up the volume during the first 23 minutes of the film and then lower it back down to standard levels so that people got the actual base gist of what was going on. And I'll never forget the first time I watched this movie hearing the like go over the fucking heads and shit. I was like, that's that's the most insanely dope thing I've ever heard in my life. That yeah, sound is crazy to hear in real life. I hate that you know I, that. Yeah, I, that's horrifying. But the- I, I mean, it, I only know because of shooting at the range and not not that I deployed or anything, unfortunately, but um, just like shooting at the range, you can hear you can still hear it. It's fucking wild to hear because like, huh, that that sound in movies is is pretty accurate. Pretty spot on. <laughs> I've never had a ricochet, thank God. But um, I think. If you want to understand how good the Foley is in this movie and how accurate they are, just look up on YouTube uh, what an MG42 sounds like firing. Just, you know, because there are surplus MG42s. You can own them with the correct licensing. And you listen to that and then you listen to the movie and it's the same sound. Oh yeah, I cl- he sent me a clip last night while we were talking about this, and I, cl- I just closed my eyes and I was like, "This could literally be the opening of the movie." Like just these these sounds. Now, while I do I do praise the the realism and the attention to detail, there are a couple things that I do take major issue with. Um, one obviously is the uh, overuse or the overextended use of the machine guns because those things would be melted into fucking butter if they held the trigger down that long but for those this is literally just me nerding out so Lindsay, i'm sorry that you have to listen to this right now but i'm not for those of you who are not aware (laughs) the the two obstacles that are placed on the beach during omaha beach are the um jacks blocks which are those like star looking things made of iron that one of the um engineer corps is telling captain miller he's clearing this one you have to go somewhere else uh which is it looks like he's trying to clear with a bangalore which i don't get because that's not going to move that thing it's on wet sand no you're just trying to flatten it essentially so that the tank can roll over it those are still used today they were used in the defense of kiev in ukraine they're they're literally still used solid that was actually my next question but here's the other thing there are these ramp looking thing they're like tripods um it's an A shaped it's two logs that form a an A with a long log that runs the length backwards so it looks kind of like a cannon shooting into the ground they're actually facing the wrong way they were supposed to be facing ramp up towards the hill or towards the cliffs because tanks hitting that are going to hit that and roll over tanks hitting it the way that they're designed in World War 2 or in Saving Private Ryan are just going to destroy those rolling through them so those were the two biggest things I noticed. I don't know if you guys found anything else outside of that, but those are the, the machine gun is the one that everybody points out. Like you can't hold the trigger down that long. Like that gun would be destroyed. They can. Yeah. So the MG 42 is famous for it's easy to change barrel. I mean, the quick change barrel system on the MG 42 is 
genuinely for its time is an incredible piece of engineering. And they did carry extra barrels, especially in those pillboxes, but they did have to use separate barrels. They, and part of the reason, and one of the things they actually taught the soldiers in world war two was listen for the barrel change and then rush the machine gun. If you absolutely have to, because that's going to be the longest that the machine gun is down. If you absolutely have to rush a machine gun nest. Yeah. But so that is a, that is obviously something I'm not going to give them as much shit for it because I mean, it's you, you're really only have 20 minutes and you're going for maximum yeah. stock and off. But I mean, it didn't uh, ruin the movie. I'm just like, Oh, no. that's weird. The only other point of contention I had was the fact that all the landing craft were piloted by, or sorry, sailed British. by British yeah. uh, service members. And I, I just wanted to point that out because I just I feel like the British and the Canadians kind of got shit on and they lost a lot of people. And it's just like, yeah. you know, I wanted to shout out our brothers there. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not going to give them any crap for the machine guns because they talk about it later in the movie when they're attacking the bunker. Uh, Captain Miller says, wait for them to change the barrels on those machine guns because they're going to overheat. So yeah. they knew it's just like you they're not going to go switch to like, well, the Nazis have to change their barrels. Let's go make a whole scene on the Nazis changing the barrels. <laughs> so it's just it's 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 for it's fire for effects in the movie, basically. So yeah, I, don't that's, even, I don't give I don't it too much it accuracy. Yeah. Um, the the even more exciting accuracy is the weaponry use. Um, the majority of the weapons showcased uh, in the film are remastered or retailered versions of the M1 Garand, which everybody knows and loves that sound. I don't care who you are, where you're from, or what you've done in your life. Everybody loves that. Thing. Yeah, it's just it's a top ten sound for me. Um, but the the smaller details are what really caught me. Like fish showing up his star of David to all the captured German soldiers. Like you guys got fucked by a Jew kind of thing. Was it was super accurate. That happened all the time. Um. Captain Miller was issued an M1 Thompson uh, submachine gun, which was not standard issue for the majority, though. Andrew did remind me that the majority of squads provided without the uh, infantry did at least always have one. Depending on the time in the war and what your uh, what your like actual division was. But yeah, they tried. To I think it was at least every squad. I think at least one. No, I think it was genuinely given to Tom Hanks just to set him apart from like fish and and caparzo in them otherwise like you would have to keep looking at his helmet to be like oh right he's a captain like yeah okay i got that we're good yeah the other thing i really like is that and this is me being a a, a gun nerd is that the thompson fires uh 45 acp rounds so it's like having a fully automatic 1911 just like <laughs> fucking shooting at people but it was also you know the thompson also was well known for its use in gang gang violence and stuff in the 40s but it actually was produced between 1921 to 1940 i want to say and it was actually designed to break trenches in world war one but it just came out too late for it to be given really that in, in, in mass to everybody because the war was basically all but over at that point um and they brought it out in world war ii and it's just like this fucking monster, but it's frustrating to watch people just like shoot from the hip. Like, and I'm like, come on, come on guys. We can do so much I mean, back, that's dude. the benefit of a low power cartridge being used in an automatic weapon is you can yep. shoot it from the shoulder accurately. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's 
one of the reasons we switch to an intermediate cartridge later on. I'm, this is going to go into a whole thing. Look, <laughs> the, the, the point is, is the, the other weapon I want to shout out regarding um, Tom Hanks is his 1911 that we see yes. at the end of the movie. Yeah. It blows that up a tank. A, blows up a tank. Yeah. Planes that were is, not involved. No. <laughs> that was his high explosive pistol round that were issued to <laughs> all tanks high round. Yeah. It just quickly became Judge Dredd. Yeah, yeah, he had some black tips in his 1911. Yeah. A pit rounds in his 1911. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I and like the I think my favorite thing too is that they do make a good point of putting the guns to different characters like Ryben's carrying the M1A4 and the, or not the M1A4 he's carrying what oh fuck the, the BAR. He was carrying the BAR. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jackson has an M1904, a four M1903, a four sniper rifle Springfield, baby. Woo! Basically sponsored the war. Um, bolt action sniper. Fun fact for you guys. This is something I normally would mention in the, uh, uh, rumor requirement, but because we're talking about it right now, the shot that Jackson makes after Caparzo is shot through the lens or through the scope of the German sniper is based on a real shot made by Carlos Hitchcock in Hathcock. Hathcock, that's right. I'm sorry, you're right. Uh, Carlos Hathcock in Vietnam. Yeah, he was pinned down better. and took a moment to drop him through his scope. So again, that is, it's a legend. Supposedly it's confirmed, but Carlos Hathcock is the American version of Simo Hayek, who is, if you do not know who he is, look up the white death, but he was our famous sniper rifle during, I mean, not sniper rifle, sniper in general during Vietnam. One of our most prolific snipers in history. The man is a legend. Uh, If you want to look up his uh, exploits, please do. Uh, that man was a hero. Rest in peace. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I fucking like everything about it. I just like, it's just, oh God, dude. And that's the other thing. I was like, just a detail about this movie went so far beyond like just the date and like, hey, we ran up this hill and took these pillboxes from Germans. It was just like everything about this was fucking phenomenal. But unfortunately, now we need to talk about the crew. And the movie side of things and where things for me kind of fell apart. Uh, And we're going to start with the first casualty because this was his first big breakout role. And I remember when I was a kid, shortly after this movie came out, um, everybody said that the reason that Vin Diesel was killed first in this movie was because Steven Spielberg found out that he was gay. And oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah dude. Oh my I rem- God. I forgot that was a rumor. Yeah. It's one of, it was like the Marilyn Manson ribs rumor thing. Yeah, right. Everybody said that at the time. Oh my there God. There is absolutely no evidence anywhere, anywhere to support that shit. I just want to set so we're talking, since we're talking about it, like right now, I just feel like we need to fucking mention that right off the fucking bat. <clears throat> I feel like there's only a certain subset of people that are going to remember that rumor, but that went I know. everywhere at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I heard it all the fucking time. Did you really not? That's crazy to me. I remember right. hearing it all the fucking time. It, it, it could be just because it builds drama and his character was a fucking dumbass E2. Yeah. He thought he knew better. <laughs> she reminds me of my niece, sir. 
Great. There's blood on my letter. It's from my dad. It's about family. Dude. Take life one mile one mile at a time. Oh god. It's decent time. I hope that's not a thing. Is that a real fucking thing that people say? Have you not seen the video of Paul Walker dressed up as Vin Diesel? No. So he's so um what is it? Is who's uh not not job rule. Ludicrous. Or is it not job rule. Not, or not yeah, not ludicrous, the other one. Oh um, God. There's who's in no other movies other than the fast movies. Uh Jaw Rule's in the second one. Are you talking about Tyrese? Tyrese. Yes, Tyrese. I wasn't sure if that was his name. So Tyrese goes on set and he's like, hey Vin, hey, hey Vin, and he he's walking up and you just see someone hunched over and they stand up and it's and they turn out it's Paul Walker and he's in a full body suit with oh a ball cap on and he goes, Paul, what are you doing? He goes, it's diesel time. He's like, dude, Vin's gonna get mad if you see if he sees you dressed up and he unzips his sweater because he's wearing a sweater and he opens it up and you see the bodysuit he just starts playing it's diesel time and he starts screaming it's diesel time and he's like i'm leaving i'm Ben's gonna oh, kill you i've never seen and, this and he's just laughing he's like it's diesel time it's, i'll send it to you it's the Dude. fucking funniest thing i've ever seen is paul walker trolling Vin diesel well it's like it's like the blooper of uh uh the rock walking up the driveway and Tyrese is like, oh, everybody guard whatever the fuck he says. He's like, you better watch that big ass forehead and Ludacris <laughs> spits up his beard. That was a real spit take. Ludacris had no idea that. he was going to say that. I love God that. Damn it. Anyway, back to the movie we're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> um, Not decent time. <laughs> so the, the thing that I, on this watch through that I thought was kind of interesting is we don't really get any kind of real character development except for the couple glimpses of like fish having a mental breakdown right after Caparzo gives him the Hitler youth knife when he realizes they survived this fucking invade, this wild ass fucking invasion that for them only lasted 20 minutes. Um, and then Wade kind of gets a little bit of character development when he's the one that takes over Caparzo's letter. Um, even though, the letter is kind of like this death sentence for whoever's carrying it kind of thing. Yeah. So the character development I felt was really kind of all over the place. It was like at random points because it's, it shows like they're, they've got the dog tags and they're going through it and way comes over. Look at, look at all you got one of the five Oh first coming by and blah, blah. And even Tom Hanks is like, no, I fucked up. Yeah, this is not a good yeah. look. And then he starts <laughs> crying after they take the bunker. And um, there's a moment where you think that, like, when they all catch his handshaking when he's looking at the map with the compass, and you think that they're going to be like, I got this. But then it's not kind of like a family diesel time no. got this type moment. It's like, they're all like, they become unsure of his, of his leadership. And I was like, this it's like up and down and like, I don't understand what, what they're, yeah. what they're going for. Cause it seems really all over the place and sporadic. I think it, what's good is I think they're really good at like the background stuff. Like you see Horvath, uh, collecting, which is Tom Sizemore, the dirt, collecting yeah. the dirt. And like, you know, he talks about bringing it back to his wife and stuff like that. And you can see he's been and like, you can see he's been a lot of places and that's like a really quick glimpse to be like, Oh, okay. This isn't his first, like, you know, rodeo and it's, it's interesting. Cause there's a lot of small stuff like the shaking with Tom Hanks and they don't, that they don't like really 
explain, but like says a lot to their character, but there's not a lot of like direct character building. I feel like, but I don't yeah. think they have the time. Well, yeah. that's the thing. It's not a movie like that. Like we, we get this random ad lib story from Ryan right before the Ramel invasion or the Ramel defense, which by the way, Ramel was not a real place guys. That's another thing I want to point out to you. That wasn't a real thing that happened. The, these air force or these airborne division guys did not hold down some random ass town in the middle of the fucking German front. But the other thing that I thought was interesting was in order to quell the crew from killing the German guy who was the only survivor of the attack on the radio station was Tom Hanks revealing his background. And that's, that's the most uh, like real kind of character story that we get. We just know that fish and Caparzo were good friends before this invasion. Ribin knows all of them. And Horvath is like really close with them. Cause he's like, they're all talking shit to each other when he's forming the group and stuff. But, and apparently that speech was supposed to be way longer. The speech he gives about being a school teacher was way longer. And Tom Hanks was like, I don't think that Miller would say any of this. He just wants to like, tell them like, Hey, I was a school teacher. Um, get the fuck back to work. I think the, one of their big reasons they probably added that and is to one, I mean, for the audience, it also kind of gets through that. Like, man, these, these people are drafted. Like these are normal motherfuckers. Like this isn't, these aren't a lot of these guys aren't like professional soldiers. They're not, they don't sign up. They kind of got shoved into this or joined because of, you know, to support the war effort, but ultimately mm-hmm. weren't like professionals. They didn't sign up to go to war knowing, well, they did know, but you get the point. It's like, these were the boys. They, they had other shit going on. The war started and they're like, all right, fuck it. We're, we got to do this. We got to fight for our country. And it's, it's a really good moment. I think for Tom Hanks, because you're, you get to kind of understand that this guy is, an he's everyday doing the dude. Best he can, but he's an everyday day dude. He's not some badass. And I think that's something that Saving Private Ryan does really well is a lot of war movies in America, especially modern ones, are a lot more like this. They want to make everybody this like fucking Captain America. They want to make them like this badass. And it's like, no, I mean, these are normal motherfuckers. Like these are these are people. And like I think they are, there's been a bit of a pushback. Uh, very recently with that because you know you've seen a lot of a lot more of the human side um especially well, yeah that's why everybody loved the her locker and well her locker and stuff like um i mean lone survivor have, the what's the one about kyle i, mean, I don't know if i would american say lone sniper. Sur- american I, sniper I, I was gonna say american sniper because the shit that happened to that man wild yeah, yeah. I, I you know I'm not gonna go into my conspiracy brain, but some, the the way that that man died was sad in real life. But um, the the point of all of this is to say that like World War II is a very unique instance. Well, not unique, but it's the last time I think in America that we had a full, like real full mobilization, and it's really weird to look on from a 2024 perspective. 
because it's just so different. The world that we operate in now is a completely different world. The way that we would have taken that beach now is so different. The whole, it's almost like looking at a historical piece from further back if you really think about it too much. But if you're just looking at it for the spectacle, it's it's a completely incredible movie as well. So that's the thing that I think makes Saving Private Ryan really good is it hits deep if you want it to. And if you don't want it to, it still slaps. Like it's such a good movie because it slaps from like every angle. It's so fire. I yeah, love- that's fair. I can get behind that. While we're on the subject of not getting really kind of any development uh, is, is honestly, dude, like we get more from Horvath with his jars of dirt. I've got a job to it. Um, we don't get anything about Ryben. We literally get nothing about Ryben except that he talks shit and asks why we're doing this. He's like, look, I got a family too. Like, why the fuck are we, why aren't they sending me home? Like what makes this man so special? Um, well, we get some from Upman. Upham, Upham, yeah. Upham. It's it's hard to say his name because there's a there's a secret H in there. Um, (laughs) But um, like he gets the character development because he's you know he's the token desk jockey, the paper pusher, too scared to do anything. That even a Nazi is like you're not worth killing. Um, And then he like sees the guy that he pushed to save. He's right back on the line shooting, and then he shoots him. But then he lets everyone go. It's like okay. So we have, yeah, like you just like became the soldier you're supposed to be, but then we teetered immediately, like literally back to what seconds, the fuck you were doing, back to what you were doing before. So are I'm just gonna, like, are, are we going to have the upham discussion now? Because yeah, oh, yeah, we are. No, that's that's this is this is happening right now. I okay. like I don't care who I talk to. I don't care how many times I watch this movie. Uh, he is literally one of my most hated film characters of all time. I think he is such Terrible. a piece of shit. Before I get into shitting on him and talking about how he should be <laughs> hit with the butt of a rifle repeatedly, um, just shout out to the fucking writers for making a character that's on yeah. your side that is hated as much as Upham is, and shout out to that poor actor whose name I do not know. Davies, sorry. I was going to say, who guaranteed after this movie, random people were walking up and just... I guarantee you nobody walked up to him and just being yeah. like, fuck you, dude. But I guarantee you people were giving him the side eye every so often. Like, Absolutely, a, dude. He's Absolutely. getting groceries and some dude's like, oh, it's up him. That's fucking up him. Let's give Davey some credit, though, because the the range that he had to act in from being scared to being yeah. brave to just fucking weeping every five seconds yeah. is pretty... The, the talent range of the actor is pretty good. It's like, Probably the better acting in the whole movie. Oh, for sure. But, dude. but no, but Upham is a is a raging piece of shit. Yeah, this is nothing to Jeremy Davies. Davies, if you're hearing this, I don't know how, but um, respect. we love you, dude. Like mad respect. Like that was wild. That was a roller coaster of different fucking like emotions and points to act. But that said, your character for writing that uh, shit. Yeah, dude, for real. <laughs> your character needs to meet the butt end of an M1 Garand repeatedly multiple times from the four dudes you let go that's you know what's funny dude is i didn't even think of that until you just said that right now is like he got in this mess because he let one guy go and then he shoots the guy he let go and lets four other dudes go it's like why the fuck would you do that 
Oh my god, damn it! I <laughs> you, you know what's wild too? The really interesting like counterplay to that is at the beginning. Uh, you have the soldiers, and this is right at the beginning when uh, during D Day. Oh, when Fish and Kapars are up top, and they're trying to surrender. And in reality, like if you listen to what they're saying, they're saying that they're Czech. They're not German. They're not Nazis and they were forced to be here. They were conscripted and they're trying to surrender and they get shot. And that's at the beginning during D-Day. And then you have up them with actual Nazis and he shoots one of them and then lets the yeah. rest of them go. And just what a fucking piece of shit he is now, given he <laughs> wasn't the one who shot the Czech guys, but still what a fucking piece of shit. I mean, at the very least, be like, get on the fucking ground and wait, or I'm going to... Oh, I know. Yeah. Or just, like, drop your gun, stay where you are. Like, why? But just fucking straight up let them go, dude. That's... I just... I don't fucking get it. I... Oh, dude, off the stairs. The scene in this movie that makes everybody cringe, and I can't... I am one of those people, is the knife fight in... The the slow knife. With... Yeah. What's his fish? That is probably one of like i think for 1998 like now we've got some more brutal stuff but for 1998 i cannot think of anything in movies Mm -hmm. that was anywhere near that brutal of a fight and you want to talk about vilifying the not only upham but just the germans in general like that was the most effective scene at making me want to kill every fucking Nazi. I, that oh, yeah. existed like, and this is coming from a fucking Jew, by the way, like, <laughs> like, like dude, a lot of, a lot of my ancestors died at fucking Treblinka. And it was that fucking movie that was like, God, like literally anybody that has ever fucking worn an SS flag needs to fucking get their throat slit repeatedly. So, I do think it is important for those of you who are not historically inclined like the rest of us are. The, just because you were in the German army did not make you a Nazi. You had to be an actual member of the Nazi party. And you were usually conscripted into like the SS um, or something like that. The Nazi hierarchy just controlled the German army. So yeah. it like when people say like they were killing Nazis and all that shit, like that's why every time you see an inglorious bastards, they are killing actual branded. They wear the armbands. They've got the SS cloaks, all of that shit. This guy is just a German soldier. He's part of the Wehrmacht. Yeah. yeah. So the Wehrmacht and the SS are different, but I didn't mean to say SS. I shouldn't have said that, but that's no, no. I, I'm not. I'm not saying like because you said that. I just think it's important for people to know that that wasn't just like, yeah. you know, like all of Germany supported Hitler. I actually had that in my notes that um, towards the end of the war. So in, in the beginning, because they touch on this in Banner Brothers, is that they ask they tell all Germans to return to the motherland so they can go ahead and start fighting in the fucking World War II. Um, but towards the end of World War II because they were running out of people because they were all dying. Mm-hmm. They ended up conscribing teenagers just as cannon fodder, whereas yeah. the SS were, you know, the, the leadership. So they were trying to figure out what's this, what's the exit strategy? What does Hitler want to do? And then Hitler died and they're like, well, fuck. Yep. <laughs> um, and that, 
they they actually largely the the German uh, army was unaware of the actual Nazi war crimes. They were just there because they were told to, or they were forced into oh, no. into so, um, being soldiers. Oh yeah, so this is it, it's what led into Valkyrie, like shit, like Valkyrie, like. Even the top brass in the Third Reich were like, uh, Hitler's fucking nuts, dude. Like, we need to get the fuck out of here. We're losing this war. Steiner has, like, it's, you know, all that stuff from, you know, that famous meme and all that stuff. Yeah. But, like, Steiner was supposed to route allied forces that were moving into Berlin. And downfall. he did downfall. That's what it is. Yeah. He didn't even he didn't even try. He dipped. He was like, fuck this. I'm getting out of here. By by the end of the war, I mean by the end of the war, the people who were defending Berlin were either fourteen or sixty five. Yeah, I mean it was the whole the Wehrmacht was a fucking mess. So for a good example yeah. in your head, if you're trying to like get that like the difference, that's that's the difference. The Wehrmacht mm-hmm. is like normal soldiers. The SS are the ones that are like fully bought in. They're the ones who are like. Kill the Juden, kill the fuck. That's not to say members of their mocks weren't like that. And because there were plenty, a good example is the guy who stabs fucking, uh, what's the fish? Yeah. Weren't those the SS guys though? I, cause I, I could have, because I could have swore that they had SS flags on their, he might have, oh, he might have, yeah. I, I don't know. So I, I didn't notice that if that was the case. The point is, is like, don't get me wrong, all Nazis are evil in my mind. But the SS is a spresh, special brand of evil. They're like, they were the most evil of the evil. Like, if yeah. you really want to hate somebody, the, any guy, anybody with an SS flag, they're the ones you want to hate more than anybody. Anyway, that's Oppum, and fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck yeah, that fuck dude. That dude. dude. <laughs> right in the butt. That's a hard pass. Um, <clears throat> so, we're going to, I don't have anything else unless you guys have anything else matt has a shitload of notes so uh it, please it, it's funny because my notes go in between historical context to oh my god this shit is so funny <laughs> back to historical <laughs> context <laughs> i do think it's important because we didn't really touch on it but i do think it's important to note that the realest moment for me in this whole movie it isn't even fish's death because that's just like god damn it man we are here the whole time we are here the entire time watching that knife go through that man's sternum. No, the realest moment is Wade and he asks for the third shot of morphine and just asking for his mom. Oh, man. And I was yeah, like, I a, God, I had a lot of thoughts. On that. <laughs> the, I think the, that's the one thing about that is like, if, unless you're paying attention, you don't really understand what he's doing at that point, but he is telling them I am going to die. Yeah, he's trying. Well, at first, he's trying to tell him how to operate, and he's telling him how to that he's trying how to operate. But then, at some point in his brain, he is like, "Okay, I'm dead." So he literally is like, "Just give me another shot of morphine," because he knows he's dying. He knows there's nothing else that they can do for him, and he just wants to be in less pain. And so he's like, "Just give me another shot of morphine," and then he's mm-hmm. he's, just, he's essentially telling them, "I'm dead," and I think and they get that. But like, unless you're paying attention to earlier in the mu- in the movie, on I think it's when they're on the beach, yeah, when they're sorting casualties and they're just like the ones that priority, are alive, yeah, yeah, they're just like just give them morphine. There's nothing we can do. And then he's pointing out the priority ones, and the priority ones are the ones that they can save. Because by like, the way, for those of you who weren't aware, that's Wade. 
that he's talking to that medic that he's talking to about priority. This guy's a goner. Um, he needs, uh, he needs the hit or whatever. That's Wade. That's how we're introduced to Wade. So the other thing to keep in mind is that morphine is considered a blood thinner. So he's also getting them to kill him faster because his blood is thinning out and his heart is slowing down because of the the morphine. So it's a couple of different things to look at when he's no. So he like to Andrew's point, he knows he's dying and he wants more morphine because he's in pain, but because he's also a medical professional, he knows that it'll just end it faster because his blood is thinning out. So it's, it's a couple of things that it's hard to watch, especially because I, I know that he knows all of this medical, like his, and Scott, you said like, he's like, lift my legs up. You know, he's like, it's, it's horrible to watch a medical professional, like, and, and like analyze their situation oh, and then we're gonna check my yeah. back, check this, check that. And then he's like, just give me morphine. Cause he's like, that's it. There's I'm, I'm bleeding out. And I was watching him like, all right. So all my boys there are sitting there and they see all his life pouring out of his chest. And they're like, let's just keep pouring water on it and we're going to clean it. Yeah, that we're not going to put off. any pressure on it. And they're like, oh, we should put pressure. Everyone put your hand on him. Like he's like yeah. fucking Zordon. And they're just like pushing. I was like, guys, this is a little late. For this shit, but that as it had the same energy as that NCIS episode where it took two people to type on the keyboard for the hacker hitting them, and I'm just like, this is so fucking idiotic, yeah. dude. I, well, okay, I, I to be fair, I don't think at that time. So you're you're the military guy, Matt, but I don't think at the time they were giving people IFAX. I don't think at the time they were giving people medical training. I think essentially at that point, it's a set. It's like when you're working on your car and a bunch of like random people are like, oh, and they just kind of end up staring at it and they don't know what the hell they're doing. I think that's kind of that's what's me. happening here. They're like, they're looking at it and they're like, oh, you're the guy. Tell us what to do because they don't know what the hell they're doing. I don't know what their level of medical training was at the time, but now most soldiers have at least basic understanding yeah. of what to do at first. I mean, I, I guess at that point, yeah. They wouldn't know to put apply pressure there because they are cleaning it. They're pouring the salt on. They're they're What's wiping it off and all that shit, but, or whatever that was. Sorry, blood clotter. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. So what I'll say is that these guys aren't just regular soldiers, though. They're second battalion rangers. They're the fucking tip of the spear. So they should know something. I'm gonna chop it up to it, just being movie magic and making it dramatic. But mm. they should know because yeah. these guys have been through some of the most hellacious training in addition to being airborne they're also fucking rangers well not they're not airborne but they're rangers so they're considered soft which is special operation forces so they should fucking know better and that they should at least know yeah. more than the random you know joe schmo soldier and up them and all that shit so yeah to be fair if, if anybody's gonna know it's gonna be horvath it's gonna be yeah, sergeant horvath that, and, and the captain the captain should know something yeah. too but as, as knowing many medics and corpsmen, if someone kills Doc, I'm going to fucking kill everyone because Doc is the heart and the soul of every platoon, every team, every squad. Doc is the person that is probably the most favored by anybody because A, they are going to save your life and B, because yeah. they've been through the medical training. They know what to look for when someone, and you can even see like, like we mentioned earlier where he's like, put the fucking dog tags away in front of your, you're looking at every, all of their 501st dead buddies. Like they just know and, tra- and like 
intrinsically like how to deal people psychologically and medically because every medic I've known has always been the one to cheer everybody up. And I've known some fucking badass medics who are like, yeah, let me fucking get on the 50. Let me shoot that shit. I want to know how to do all this stuff. They're fucking awesome individuals. I'm not giving credit to every single medic out there, but if someone kills doc, I'm fucking killing everybody. And I'm going to, I'm going to waste that motherfucker. Who's who whore fucking up them doesn't want to do shit. with like, no, that oh, dude I, is all but dead in my eyes. So I'm just going to fucking kill him. So I think that's what irritates me about that whole breakdown is they didn't just immediately pop him. They were like, this guy's still alive. And like, I get it. Like the psychological, like, Oh, they made him dig the graves or whatever and all that shit. But like, it still kind of blows my mind that you can see how pissed off Tom Hanks is. And he still just lets him go. I think that's the movie magic because in reality, they, I genuinely do not believe it would have gotten to that point. I think they no. would have rushed it. That guy would have been there, whether he had a gun in his hand or not, they would have just shot oh, yeah. him. Oh, absolutely. Think, absolutely. They would have. The end of it. You know, they had to, I understand what they had to do for the movie, but the, I just, the, the whole thing with the medic was particularly brutal for me. Cause my brother is a, uh, is a Corman, uh, in the, in the Navy. But uh, to, to talk about what uh, Matt was talking about, literally the Marines say the same thing to my brother. It's like <laughs> they were literally just like, yeah, no, like we keep you alive. Just shut the fuck up. Keep your head down if you have to. Like, but my which is funny because my brother was going for FMF combat corpsman. So he was trying to long, long story short, they're the I'm not going to get into this, but long story short, the Navy supplies the medics for the Marines. The Marines don't have their own medics. All of the corpsmen in the marines are in the navy so it's it's a long complicated story why that's the case but he was one of those guys who's like yeah let me get on the gun my brother's like all about going and shooting in the desert all the time and all that kind of stuff and it's funny because they were like no no no. if we ever get deployed shut the fuck up keep your head down like shoot if you have to but like no you need to stay alive (laughs) because we don't want you to die if you die we're fucked like yeah it's no. it's always that scene was brutal for me my, now after when i rewatched the movie because at the time obviously my brother wasn't you know he hadn't joined her anymore, yeah he wasn't doing now, that then yeah but now it's like <clears throat> fuck like that could have been that could have been my brother yeah. like so let's get into the rumor requirement stuff then so something that i thought was pretty interesting the omaha beach scene was roughly one-sixth of the budget of the film and involved over one thousand extras some of whom were members of the Irish Army Reserve. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the majority of the film was actually shot in Ireland. Uh, of those 1,000, 20 to 30 of them were actual amputees who were given prosthetic limbs that they were asked to carry around and showcase wounded soldiers or pieces of their bodies being blown off, like the gentleman carrying his own arm that he finds on the beach and the man who had lost both his legs. Uh, Steve, this I think this is so fucking funny and this is the most matt damon thing uh, on the face of the earth dude steven spielberg chose matt damon strictly because he wanted an all-american looking uh actor from an otherwise unknown pool of actors completely unaware that matt damon and ben affleck had just won the uh, academy award for best original screenplay the year before for goodwill hunting he had no idea that this man was an academy award winning actor now um, like we had said before, this movie absolutely put Vin Diesel on the map. It gave rise to his uh, stardom in Triple X, Pitch Black, 
uh, what was it? Iron Giant. And eventually he became Groot. We are Groot. You'll love to see it. Yeah, we are. Um, several critics, I actually think this was interesting, and I wanted to ask both of you about this, but several critics of the film called into question the validity of the Rangers throwing mortars around at German soldiers as though they were grenades, saying that it seemed extremely unrealistic. However, Charles Kelly, a Medal of Honor recipient, recounted the numerous times that he and his company did this in an effort to stave off moving artillery. I mean, when it comes down to it, if you know some shit is going to work that seems a little squirrely and you know it's that's the last thing that you have left, you're going to do whatever you can to survive. And using mortar rounds like that, and it's plausible. Like I, when I first saw it, I was like, why are there just – because it's been a few years since I've seen this movie. Yeah. It's like, why is there just a fucking missile just sitting there, a rocket? And then they – and I realized, oh, it's probably a mortar round. And then they picked it up because – they, they mentioned like, yeah, our mortar rounds, our mortar went down because they got hit by artillery. And then he's like, and then he explains that he used it. Like, that seems pretty plausible to me. I mean, I don't see why yeah. that would be unrealistic. If anything, that seems extremely realistic because he, at that point, they're out of ammo and they've got nothing. I think just their sidearms at that point. If I know Tom Hanks had one, but I don't think Matt Damon did. But Horvath did. It, I think Tom Hanks or Matt Damon still had yeah, his Garand. It, it just seemed very plausible like it makes sense i don't i don't see why that would be not believable <laughs> yeah i was just kind of like that's weird and like the other thing that like and i think this is just like either a continuity error but when it shows the mill it shows that squad moving into ramel there's only one panzer right and then there's the the K2 uh, wagon artillery or toad artillery. And there's but a for some, fight. yeah, but somehow when the fight starts, there's like three tanks. Now Wade gets killed by one or not. Wade Jackson gets killed by one, which was also a fucking brutal death. You're just watching the barrel turn up at you. I still have that verse memorized. He's saying, which is Psalm four, uh, one one and two. So and oh, the Jackson says? That's, that's the one that he keeps repeating, like it when he's shooting people. That's like yeah, back, yeah. back in the day. I was a uh, at that time. I was very religious, and that slapped so hard for me. That like yeah, dude, it was just badass all around, dude. He, I loved his character. His character was fantastic. It just makes me think. Anytime there's a Bible verse in the movie, it just thinks makes me think of Pulp Fiction. I just think it's a cold shit to send yeah. you a motherfucker before you blast Some him. Cool shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you will know that my name is the Lord. Dude, you want to know that's true? Just watch Book of Eli. He's literally, oh my God, like, seriously. literally that far scene. He drops some hard ass lines and then kills the entire bar. My only problem with that movie was the twist. I was like, "This, we didn't need this. That's so fucking stupid." I seen that movie forever. I should watch that. I think it's on. I think it just got added to Max or Netflix or something. Probably it's it rotates through a bunch of yeah. shit. Um, a couple other things that I did want to point out to you guys. Like I mentioned before, the story that Ryan tells about uh, before the finale in the Battle of Vermel about spying on his brother in the barn with an ugly girl was one hundred percent ad libbed, and. Even during filming, Steven Spielberg and ma- the majority of the writing crew were like, what the fuck is he talking about? 
and Steven Spielberg left it in because it wasn't particularly funny. It just showed how real they were. And everybody was like, okay, I guess. So sure. I actually had a feeling because that story, it just kind of like, it doesn't paint Ryan in a good light. It makes no. him actually look like a piece of shit. And you can kind of no. see it on Tom Hanks's face. He's like, first he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's, yeah, he's like, he's uh, just like okay. But then I think he kind of gets what he's doing and he kind of gets into it. Cause he starts kind of laughing more, but it's just like, he just seems like a big piece of shit. But there's also the, the, the stairs conversation, which seemed really improvised because it seemed, cause I mentioned this earlier, the acting of this movie is not phenomenal. But it's no. also a war movie, so it's very dude. It's, it's very up yeah. and down. It's zero to a hundred. Like sometimes it's shitty, and sometimes you're like, God damn. Yeah, you can tell. Like we have to stick to the script versus we yeah. can kind of we have some room to wiggle. But that stair scene when they're talking about when Upham is explaining what the opera singer singer or whoever the singing is, um, what she's talking about. The yeah, banter between the soldiers was so realistic. I was like, I feel like I've had this conversation in the military where you're just like shitting on each other relentlessly. And at the end of the day, you're just like, I love you, man. He's like, yeah, I love you too. It's just like, exactly. I was like, this feels super believable and realistic. I was like, this had to have been improvised because there's no way you can write that without experiencing it or being brotherly close like that. Yeah. I think the best acting in the movie is when people are dying. Yeah. Like even, even Vin Diesel is like, He's fucking killing it when he's like, oh, it's for my dad. And you're just like, God But uh, also, fun fact, all of the German tanks you see are just dressed up T-34s. They're not actually real German tanks. Mm Because there were so few of them that survived the war. They're just dressed up uh, Soviet tanks. However, because we did that list earlier, the tanks used in Fury are real recommissioned tanks. Just for those of you who wanted to know. Oh, we also have a Band of Brothers cameo. Um, the We have a couple, actually. The colonel who, um, at the beginning, that's talking to one-arm Walter White. Um, that's actually <laughs> the same actor, uh, I think. Yeah, it's the same actor who plays Colonel Sink in Band of Brothers. Is it really? Yeah. Hold on, let me go back over I can't over believe here. you haven't watched Band of Brothers, dude. It's so You're great. talking about Ted Danson, right? No, not Ted Danson. Someone else. His, I forget his name, but he's plays Colonel Sink in Band of Brothers. He, he has, like, one line. And he's a colonel. He's a colonel in both movies. He's like an unnamed colonel in, in Saving Private Ryan. And then he goes on to be Colonel Sink and Band of Brothers. Well, so like that's that's actually a really good move into something else that I thought was really funny. There's a fuckload of people in this movie. Like I still think that some of the yeah, Paul Giamatti is in this for and you're just like, dude, he's the funniest person in this movie. <laughs> and they're like, Who's that guy on the bullhorn? He's like, That's Daniel Dusseldorf, our friendly neighborhood morale officer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then you get like amazing acting from the other out of nowhere actor, Nathan Fillion, uh, when they mistakenly think he is Ryan. Fun fact in credits, he's, he's listed as Minnesota Ryan <laughs> so that people didn't mix it up because his name is James Frederick Ryan. But the Ryan that they're looking for is James Francis Ryan. Shout out to Officer Nolan. Um, yeah, for real. <laughs> Um, and then Giovanni Ribisi is in it and he's not chasing a CGI teddy bear. Fucking go. He's so good. Oh, that's true. So yeah. good. Loved I didn't even think of that. 
I completely forgot that that's the same dude. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, you know what he's talking about, right? No idea. Okay, so the guy who plays Wade, Giovanni Rabisi, is the bad guy in Ted. He's the one that became so obsessed with Ted when he was a oh. kid because his toy never came to life that Holy he kidnaps shit. and dismantles Ted. Holy <laughs> shit, dude. <laughs> Which, now that I'm thinking about it, is like the funniest part in that whole movie where he puts him back together. And he's like, you put all my stuffing back in different parts, so are you going <laughs> to take like care that. of me? <laughs> like, like he's had a stroke. <laughs> God damn it, dude. Oh, son of a bitch. Uh, and I only, I like, I knew, I, at first, like, for some reason, I thought it was young Sam Rockwell. But then when I pulled up his IMDb and I saw the oh. mustache, I'm like, no, it's the guy from Ted. <laughs> Fun fact for you, Sam Rockwell was also in a World War II movie. He was in uh, Jojo Rabbit, which was an amazing movie for those of you who haven't seen it. It gets really dark really quick, but it is an amazing movie. Um. The last thing that I do want to touch on before I get us out of here is that the Department of Veteran Affairs set up a special 800 number to help the hundreds of former soldiers who saw the movie that were inevitably traumatized by how realistic the film was. But many of the World War II veterans that saw the film thanked and celebrated Spielberg's work and commitment to the realism of the war, though there were and this is like the most known thing about the movie. There were multiple counts of World War II veterans who saw this movie who had to leave the theater because they were getting such severe flashbacks. Like it was it was crazy how how much time and effort he put into this movie. But with that, we get into the most fun part. Um, out of 10, what do you guys give this movie? I'm going to start with Andrew. Uh, you know, I got to give it like a nine, probably like nine, dude, nine, 9.5. I mean, it's not perfect. Yeah. I'm not going to go with a 9.5. I'm going to go with a nine. It's not perfect, but I genuinely think it's probably the, like, if somebody asked me what is the pinnacle war movie, I'm probably going to go to this. I can't think of anything that like goes beyond this. Obviously I'm, I have to go with we were soldiers to a certain degree because I literally have a familial connection to well, it. Well, yeah, it's a superior movie to that in every sense. I, it's just so good. I mean, I don't think there is any scene in cinema that is like as brutal to, in regards to like just sheer war, like unadulterated war as yeah. the today scene what it's an incredible movie i just genuinely a uh, fantastic that's solid i'll give you that matt i'm gonna hit you with the nine two. Oh shit girl uh <laughs> yeah the movie in itself like andrew said it's not it's not perfect by any means there's a lot of questionable things like the acting in the movie but for what it for so the important thing to remember is that this movie came out in 98 and watching it in 2024 it feels like a movie that still just recently came out yeah it's incredible it holds up so well just like band of brothers does by the way because i watched that like a month ago um, of course so it was like right into there because i was planning on watching this anyway but um it it holds up the sound editing is awesome i even made a note here about the cinematography is that when they're talking when ryan's doing a stupid fucking story about his stupid shitty brothers <laughs> um when they're talking and then they're talking on the steps they're all in the light 
But the second the German army comes up, they're all cast in darkness. And the shadow, yeah. And it's, I was like, that's so fucking good. And it's really subtle. And if you're not paying attention to shit like that, you're not going to even catch it. It's so good. The sound editing is great. They're not beating you over the head with the score. And the score is appropriate in all the right spots. It's just, it's really fucking good. But the parts that aren't that great, they're still not great. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give it a 9-2. Well, that's not bad. I don't, I don't, I can understand that. Like I expected this to be a high, a high rated movie. Anyway, I'm actually going to have to hit you guys with an 8.9. I can't get over the nine hump and it's because of how up and down the acting is throughout this. The movie itself is phenomenal. It's entertaining. I love it. It's great. I I'm with Andrew on a near modern take on wartime. This is exactly what I would recommend to somebody. If they're looking for something a little bit older, I would always say the Patriot. Um, glorious. But absolutely, but I can't, I can't forgive the stuff that really does weirdly make this fall flat at times. Like all of the conversations that they have throughout, like them talking in the church and him talking about PTSD and the shaking of his hand. He's like, I don't know. I don't know where this came from. It just started one day. And it's like, dude, you know exactly what that is. Like, what the fuck? Well, at the time, I think I'd call it shell shock, right? Yeah. It was called but, yeah. Shell Shock. but they they still had like and he's seen enough shit horvath has seen enough shit like miller they've all seen stuff um and then the the whole letter thing and it's for my dad like it just There's yeah blood like, on it. it has blood on it's it everywhere my guy it's like dude it's raining you're lucky if this paper even unfolds like it just i don't know uh but yeah i mean i'm still gonna give it an eight nine it's 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 a great great movie and I will, I will never say, dude, why are we watching this? If this movie comes on, like, oh, it's, it's, it's just awesome. It's definitely one of those movies that it comes on TNT. I'm not turning it off. Yeah. Now here's the real question, dude. If it comes on, are you doing the stand in front of the TV thing or do you sit down? No, I sit down. Yeah. Okay. I, give it, I give this movie the respect it deserves. Absolutely. When Renee would watch like shows that I would, some, I would hear something and I'd be like, like I get an interest in, I would do the dad stand in front of the TV thing and just stand there and watch it for like 20 minutes. Not realizing that I wasn't sitting down. Cause I irritatingly become invested in shit. Like I've never watched suits in my life, but I would see like one random scene and then I'm like, who the fuck is that? What are they doing? Why is this going on? And I would stand there and I, I was thinking about it when this movie came on, I was like, this isn't one of those movies that I would do that if I've heard it in the other room. Like, and this, the the other thing I like about this is the sound editing makes it so like, you know, that that's what you're watching. You could, I could hear this in the other side of my house. And the minute I hear, I'm like, oh, sorry guys. I got to go. I know exactly what's happening in my living room right now. I don't know why Zuko's watching this without me, but let's go. But like, <laughs> that leads me to other questions. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but I, yeah, I just, it's, Oh, it's just, it's such a good movie. Now I really want to watch The Patriot, dude. Dude, The Patriot is so fucking good. So good, man. His stupid son. Tomahawk. Ron Gabriel. And it's like, dude, what did you think was going to happen? You fucking Yeah. And the two younger boys having to watch their dad just brutally beat the shit out of these guys. Oh, it's fantastic. Anywho down in Whoville. That's going to do it for us. Obviously, we're not going to do a villain coverage because this is a historical piece and we know who the bad guy was. Fuck you, Oppen. But uh, I do want to thank both of you for joining me today. Uh, it is always a treat when I get to talk to you guys and nerd out over war stuff, military stuff. Andrew, I believe you will be returning for 10 Things I Hate About You. Uh, Matt, 
what are you coming back for next? I think you and There's I were doing Batman some... movie for like there like isn't another Batman years. movie for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, holy shit. Uh, let me Spider-Man's see. Spider-Man's coming up, though. I'm down Spider-Man, Spider-Man is coming up. Yeah, we're a couple years off Spider-Man. Um, I don't think you're actually coming up on anything. Oh, we're, uh, I wanted to ask you, but I think you're coming back for The Matrix, right? Well, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, I, I knew it was Matrix soon. Too. Yeah, okay. I, like I said, dude, we have like 19 movies in 99. So, like, Jesus Christ. Uh, but, yeah, thank you guys so much, Matt. Thank you so much. Andrew. Always, always a pleasure to have you on here again. You'll be back for 10 things I hate about you. Yep. Happy to see you. But I will let everybody give their little shout out. Matt, if you want to post any social media or if anybody wants to find you, how can they do that? Uh, just my personal account. Soilborn12. Where I can just, will you see me post stuff about scouts and photography and church stuff and cooking and all sorts of stuff I'm into. Oh, yeah. uh, you can find me there uh, or here occasionally bothering the shit out of Scott and Lindsay. It's true. Cause and they never agree and, with me in group chats and not. Group oh chats. my God. <laughs> fucking Dude, these group chats are getting so out of hand. I can't like, God damn it, man. I was on a date last night, which went stupendously well it went smashing eliza um no it went really well but um i got back in my car and i look at my because i you know my mom marries me right and i don't look at my phone when i'm on a date and uh 63 i had 63 missed fucking messages from you but here's the kicker dude i had another 18 unread messages from andrew and anna so like (laughs) i can't fucking escape you guys like it's just a fat triple digit notification number on my fucking text so infuriating and and by the way all we were doing was talking about surprisingly it was which i scott was probably annoyed by it was we were talking about Lindsay and i were talking Another about switch in the super bowl yeah <laughs> god damn it i love the dude like oh okay i'm not gonna get into that we got a week for that um andrew where can they find you when you step out of your hole as always i don't have social media uh if you want to find me this time just look underneath your uh largest piece of furniture in your house i'm hanging out with your imaginary friend love it absolutely stupendous uh but yeah as always guys thank you all so much for joining us tonight we do hope that you enjoyed yourselves and maybe even learned something this was a great opportunity to learn quite a lot uh join us next week for mulan which i can't even begin to tell you how excited i am for that business uh, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts as well as follow us on all of our social media. You can find the links to our sites and social media in the episode descriptions listed below. If you would like to support the podcast, not only would I love you forever, but we encourage you to follow us on our Patreon where you can find all of our show notes for each episode, as well as a couple things that we are working on, uh, including a tier list where Lindsay and I and Matt, when we're drinking, I think the first one we're doing is who would you cast? in a Muppet movie. If you remade a specific oh, Muppet yeah, film, I forgot about that. Yeah. I want to do that one so bad. Like you recast the rock, but it's like Kermit is Sean Connery or some fucking wild shit like that. So we're doing that on the Patreon. Be sure you guys check that out. Um, make sure to check us out on our websites for all the timeline goodies, including request the timeline. Let us know what you want to see and we will make it happen. We do our requests rather often. So we want to keep adding those to our list, but until next time, guys stay nerdy. <laughs>